right, welcome back to the podcast into the week of December 12th and the third Sunday after Advent. This week we are in the Gospel of Luke, continuing in chapter 3, starting in verse 7. When the crowds of people came out for baptism, because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're still doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. The crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? If you have two coats, give one away, he said. Do the same with your food. Taxmen also came to be baptized and said, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, No more extortion. Collect only what is required by law. Soldiers asked him, And what should we do? And he told them, No harassment, no blackmail, and be content with your rations. The interest of the people by now was building. They were all beginning to wonder, Could this John be the Messiah? But John intervened, I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He will place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. There was a lot more of this, words that gave strength to the people, words that put heart in them. The word of the Lord. All right, that was kind of long. There's a lot there. Welcome to Advent Week 3. And I want to offer a couple of thoughts about this text that hopefully will give us some things to talk about on on Sunday. So (laughs) there are a lot of different ways. I've probably preached this many times before. I don't know what I said in the past, but there are two main ideas that came to my mind this week that I think are ways that this text uh, might be able to challenge us. First, I think it challenges our impulse for doing. That's something that we see in this text a lot, a question that comes up a lot, and I want to I look at that and talk about that on Sunday. And it might be helpful for us to, to even broaden our, our understanding of are doing to include the ways that we have addictions to our self-identification in in all of its forms. Secondly, I think that this text can challenge us to talk about the idea of repentance during the Advent season as, as a kind of reminder that preparation for good news is for the liberation of all, but that necessitates that it includes systems of domination and impression as well. So that's the other thing I want to talk about on Sunday. All right, let's get into it. So uh, so we see the gathered group. John's baptizing, it, obviously. And I like how the message, it's very poetic in this in this particular case. It breaks it down. It's like the popular thing to do. Everybody's getting baptized by John. And, and everyone's asking, John, what should we, what should we do? And I think that this is 
an incredibly relatable question to us today is we have a desire to know what what to do with our lives. And particularly in a Christian context, it's often, you know, what do we do as a result of our faith and spirituality? We see this in all kinds of Christianity, whether that be more pro- progressive forms or more traditional forms. What do we do? In uh, any kind of to-do list can, can be helpful. Uh, so I'm not completely knocking a to-do list, but in this particular context, it's kind of like, yeah, here this the to-do list, but burn the to-do list. Uh, it's he, John lays out the basics uh, for a moral life, but these are not the end game, right? It's like the tax collectors come to him. He's like, yeah, don't extort people. It's like, all right, it's pretty basic. Um, so yeah, to-do list can be useful and necessary, but I think we could, I hope we can all agree that we shouldn't boil our lives down to the success and failure of our ability or inability to cross items off a list in any context. And what we think perhaps even in our own lives are uh, non-religious context or non-tradition, what we think of as not religious context, have some of the most demanding religious pressures and to-do list and a kind of zealousness to them. Uh, I like this quote from David Zoll in his book, uh, Seculosity. He says, listen carefully and you'll hear that word enough everywhere, especially when it comes to Uh, the anxiety, loneliness, exhaustion, and division. You'll hear people scrambling to be successful enough, happy enough, thin enough, wealthy enough, influential enough, desired enough, charitable enough, woke enough, good enough. We believe instinctively that that if we were to reach some kind of benchmark in our minds, then value, vindication, and love would be ours. That if we got enough, maybe we would be enough. And so what he's referring to in this uh, in this particular book called Seculosity, he's he's using this word, which is just getting at the religious na- nature of every segment of modern life, and particularly in an American context, that uses all kinds of benchmarks for for value judgments for how individuals stack up uh, to arbitrary standards for whatever it is: happiness, self worth, success, goodness. And these benchmarks exist externally and they they exist internally as well as we all know um so whenever we're do whenever doing in in this context or or in a religious context is our primary concern or question i think there will always be a tendency to measure our value happiness and success from that doing uh T.S. Eliot gets at this idea like this. He says, half the harm that is done in the world is due to people who want to feel important. They don't mean to do harm, but the harm doesn't interest them, or they don't see it, or they justify it, because they are absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. Ouch. Uh, I think we, we can all relate to that at some level, that we, we are self-absorbed, and when we're self-absorbed, particularly with our doing, and how that doing forms our identities, builds our egos, um, it it will not bring the good news of liberation that we're talking about during the season of Advent that proclaims all things as sacred, you know, even in their imperfection. What should we do, uh, the people in this particular text, asked John. 
And John's answers, like they kind of remind me of the the pillow that jo- Jolene made for Alex a couple of weeks ago that says, love God and don't be a dick. It's like, yeah, absolutely. But that's also, that's the beginning, not the end. That's not the ultimate measure of our inherent goodness, um, our contradiction, uh, our shadow side. Like when we recognize uh, that we actually, we all have a shadow side. Like we, we run out of the need to create an external enemy because we recognize that we have this internal contradiction uh, in ourselves that is both uh, sacred and wounded, sinner and saint. So there's not the need to create more dividing lines of who is good and who is bad, who is successful, who is unsuccessful, which can be a byproduct of our over-identification with our doing or who is doing what and not doing what, um, those kinds of divisions don't get at the kind of um, repentance and transformation of the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the liberation um, of all people and all things. And you'll probably remember that repentance that John is referring to here and that he's preaching uh, constantly is just primarily focused on the transformation of one's heart and mind. That's really what it is. Just the, the word really just means change your way of thinking, transform your way of thinking. And I guess to be clear, because transformation, it, it's come up a lot um, in our sort of uh, modern uh, Christian context. It comes up a lot in a progressive Christian context. And it's worth talking about because transformation is also not a magic pill or another moral achievement, which it can be, that word can be used as that, like, right? Like, oh, you've received real transformation, or I've been transformed, right? It can, it can kind of be warped into another um, weird uh, moral achievement or a, another way of um, over-identifying in a particular religious way. I mean, we, we are so good as humans about using even non- uh, uh, moral measures to make new moral measures, right? Like transformation and love, it becomes its own moral achievement. Anyways, um, but it's it's something, I, I see transformation as something more like realizing uh, the measure of love is an absolute gift given moment by moment, which can only be continually received. So it, there's an inclusive and expansive vision of love that isn't something that we're ever able to claim or attach our identities and our egos to because uh, there's a there's a recognition that the that the mystery of of this life is so so beautiful that we can't that we we can only look at it with wonder and gratitude like the way I was thinking about it this week is uh, it would be like, imagine the best sunset you've ever seen. Like, think of that. The best, where, what was the best sunset you ever saw? And then what if in that moment you're like, yeah, that's mine. That would be ridiculous. That would be so ridiculous. And I think of uh, the kind of transformation of our heart, soul, mind, and strength the repentance that John is talking about, it's, it's like a falling over into love that is so beautiful that you, 
you only get to experience it with this kind of expansive wonder and gratitude. It's not something you could ever claim or attach yourself to. You just, you get to experience it. You get to let, let go into the experience of that wonder and gratitude. So that's kind of how I see and think about transformation, at least right now. So, so we move from this invitation of transformation and um, the idea of love as a pure gift given to us moment by moment, where we are realizing this love is not exclusive to individuals, but it also includes the healing of systems that have oppressed humans and all of creation. So preparation uh, for repentance should be something like preparation for the liberation that Christ brings into systems and expanding our vision, uh, not just for humans, but into the entire created order as well. So a couple of quick points about violence during Christmas. So I'm sure everybody at this point has now seen that uh, there are certain uh, segment of Congress people that are posing their families with guns in front of the Christmas tree. Uh, most recently, uh, Senator or not Senator uh, Congressperson uh, Tom Massey did it a couple weeks ago, and then Lauren Boebert did it this week with her kids, and. It's, it's ridiculous, right? There are Christmas cards with like assault weapons and all kinds of guns. And it's easy, right, to dunk on these fools. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be called out, but this kind of, this can be a kind of a distraction to other forms of systemic violence that's normalized and embedded in our society, like our military and defense spending. You probably also saw that the defense budget was passed by the House this week, and it'll pass uh, with bipartisan support in the Senate next week. $778 billion. $25 billion more than was even requested by the White House. <laughs> I mean, that's a 5% increase on last year's defense bill, and it's the largest military spending bill ever, obviously. Uh, I don't even know how this is possible after ending our nation's longest war this past year, but I don't know, I guess violence is good business. Um, and on top of that, there's no, there's no oversight or accountability into any of this spending. It's just a blank check for violence in all of its forms for the world's largest military for a country that claims God's blessing, right? I mean, this is the violence of a military superpower that John's message of repentance and Jesus' message of good news to the poor is in direct opposition to. So while it's really easy to look at Lauren Boebert and Tom Massey posing with their kids in front of their Christmas trees with a bunch of guns, and be like, yeah, they misunderstand the message of Christmas. Yeah. And so does most of a country that is okay with $778 billion dollars of military spending with no accountability for where that money is going to be spent or the kind of violence that that uh, money is going to produce in our world. If we take seriously the Advent message of repentance, then this is something that we have to repent of. This is something that we have to be challenged by. And it's from this potentiality for the liberation of ourselves, coming uh, to this sober reality as both sinner and saint, hero and villain ourselves, this realization 
pushes us into a deeper call for justice and liberation from the oppression of this kind of systemic violence, which is done alongside the trappings of Christmas. Right? It's not creating um, more othering. It's not creating uh, more dividing lines of like, well, yeah, because we're good and they're bad. No, we have to take seriously the call of repentance ourselves, and this pushes us deeper into, into the call for justice and liberation. So we don't just point, finger, uh, point our fingers at the absurd symbols of violence. Like We reckon with the seriousness of our own violence and normalize violence in our time and in our culture. So when we see, you know, the White House decked out with the trappings and the symbols of eternal peace, hope, love, and joy, uh, as we increase violence 5% year in, year out, this is not the liberation that Christ brings during the season of Advent. So I think we will leave it there. Hopefully there's some stuff there that we can talk about on Sundays. Uh, and uh, look forward to seeing you there. As always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.